0: welcome to the potential for what podcast on this podcast we explore how a range of business leaders unlock the potential in people we'll hear how they've done it find out what has worked what hasn't and why this is so important in getting and keeping great people most businesses focus on the here and now that is all about performance but at let's talk talent we like to think differently as we fundamentally believe everyone has potential the question is for what so let's explore that together I'm your host, Joe Taylor, Managing Director of Let's Talk Talent, a talent management and organizational development consultancy based in London, the UK. I have a request. If you value this show, if you enjoy these stories or find this wisdom or inspiration useful, please subscribe to the Potential for What podcast to listen to future episodes. Hi everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Potential for What podcast. I'm your host Joe Taylor, MD of Let's Talk Talent. I'm super excited to be talking to Nikki Gassenby today. She is a non-exec director, author and cognitive behavioural coach. How are you Nikki? I'm good, I'm good. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Fantastic. So I'm really fascinated by cognitive behavioural coaching and how it unlocks potential. I want to start with sort of really asking you, how does it affect potential?
1: It's really fascinating because cognitive behavioural coaching is looking at the way that you think about events, so cognition, because how you think profoundly influences the way you feel. And in turn, that impacts upon your stress and your performance, your behaviour. So if we can challenge what we're thinking, any negative thoughts, any limiting beliefs, that's impacting how we feel and then our behaviour, we can actually change our performance. And that's it in a nutshell. And what I love about it is nothing else in the world has to change apart from how we think. We are actually in complete control. So actually taking that approach, we're in complete control of unlocking our potential. And I find that fascinating.
0: So what limits, and you talked about, that sometimes we can limit ourselves in our potential when you're coaching someone what are those sort of limited beliefs that perhaps are in a way the angel and the devil on our shoulders
1: a lot of the time and I work with a lot of CEOs a lot of people that can tend to work in isolation they can be quite lonely they are having challenging thoughts about I've got far too much to do or I'm just not enough or I'm not good enough and these things can get in the way of our performance because we end up it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that we become not enough but if we can think about that and say, OK, how is that working for us? Why is that thought there? It's there for a reason. It tends to be there to protect us in some way, shape or form. But if we instantly jump to the negative, it's actually not serving us very well. So can we challenge that thought and that thinking into a way that will help us rather than hinder us? And it's fascinating when we start talking about this because they're very personal thoughts. Apparently you have around 70,000 thoughts a day. They're not individual thoughts. They're kind of what I call playlists. And we have these recurring playlists and people can be woken up by their playlists, either about work or about money or about weight or whatever. And it's that recurring one liner that's really good to challenge and say, let's have a look at it. What, why am I thinking it? What's it doing for me? And how can I help it to serve me better? So instead of I'm not enough, we can change it. And it has to be something you believe and can believe to I am enough. It's very simple, but it's just that self-talk and things that are constantly getting in our way. If we practice them, they will always get in our way because we get better at what we practice. If we change our practice, we can get better at something else. So it's learning to build that mental muscle that's actually going to help us in a positive way. And it can be really simple to challenge how we're thinking. It could feel very hard. It's a bit like a press-up, a very simple manoeuvre, but actually really hard to do well. And it's quite difficult to coach yourself through it. So it's really useful to have someone to hold up a mirror and go, okay, let's, let's work this through together. So challenging those limiting beliefs can feel quite difficult. But if we practice a new way of thinking, we can hugely impact our performance. And a lot of this comes from Professor Steve Peters, who wrote The Chimp Paradox, which I'm sure many leaders will have, sorry, listeners will have read. And he talks about the fact that most of the GB Olympic team were being trained by people in a physical sense. He trained them in a mental sense. And Victoria Pendleton and Chris Hoy put their middle hall at his feet, saying he made such a difference to the way we think that impacted our performance in a way that nobody else could touch. So there's kind of Olympic level proof points here, but I see it every day in the work that I'm doing.
0: It's super interesting. I remember going to a talk by Dr. Steve Peters and being really amazed. He showed this video of someone giving evidence in um, a trial. Mm-hmm. And they were saying on the surface, this person gave evidence and there was nothing that you would think this person was really telling the truth. It was really believable. But then when he slowed it down and he showed all of the kind of nuances, the sort of unwritten elements, the ticks and everything, you could see how uncomfortable, how pained, how discombobulated that person was. And in some way that sort of feeds into potential, doesn't it? Because sometimes when you've got a high potential or a CEO who's in a way gone through their career and got to a certain point there's an expectation isn't there it's that expectation versus reality how do you kind of coach that to enable someone to kind of live in the present but also focus on the future
1: fascinating because there's many ways that we talk to ourselves that limits our potential the first being how we treat ourselves we talked about a little bit of that and I'll go into a bit more detail. Second is we can tend to outsource our happiness sometimes. And that's a fascinating way of thinking about why we're happy. We, we give others control. And thirdly, we can rely on someone else to find our path forward. So let, let's just dig into those a little bit more. So in terms of how we treat ourselves, I was listening to Jimmy Carr the other day. Ironically, I don't know if you've heard him on the Stephen Bartlett Diary of a CEO, but he is a philosopher as well as a comedian. It's really powerful stuff. And he was talking about the fact if someone... When you were a teenager, it gave you a car and said, this is the only vehicle you're ever going to have in your life. Treat it as you see fit. How would you treat it? How would you drive it? What fuel would you put in it? How regularly would you give it a checkout? How would you expect others to treat it? How would you share, ensure it stays in tip-top condition for as long as possible? You know, if you've got this car for 70, 80 years, how would you treat it? And you can see where I'm going with this, Joe. You know, we, we have our body. We have our mind. How are we treating ourselves? How are we driving ourselves? Are we overdriving ourselves? Are we fueling ourselves? Are we using really good fuel? Are we using really good food? How regularly do we check in on ourselves, both mentally and physically? How do we let others treat us? And how do we respond to them? All of the analogy works beautifully. And coming from a comedian who, who I've now discovered is also a philosopher, it was really powerful stuff. And he's just written a book, Life After Laughter, which is just fantastic in terms of his approach to life and his being a comedian. And there's a lot of these elements in it in terms of how we treat ourselves can be our first limit on our own potential.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think I always find that myself, that I'm my biggest critic. I treat myself or beat myself up much more about things than anybody else would, a client, a friend, a partner or anything, because it is something about limited belief that there's this perfection. Yes, Uh, And I think what comes with that is purpose. If you've got that purpose and that passion coming together, then hopefully that enables you to work through. But you're right, that changes. So what I was like at 20, the core of me is exactly the same, right? But going into my my 50th birthday this year, it's a different person that sits in front of you today. But that's okay. But the core is the same.
1: Yes. And on that journey... I do quite a lot of work around inner critic, but also balancing that with inner mentor. And most of us haven't had the opportunity to think about who our inner mentor could be. A lot of us know who our inner critic is, and we listen to that voice. But it's really fascinating to think about who could be our inner mentor. Who could we project forward to? To who's us in the future, as you were just saying? And ask that person advice, because we are taught at school to read and research and prepare and bring the outside in, which is absolutely fantastic. But the balancer of that is bring the inside out. We have a lot of answers inside of ourselves. And often we look to others to give us the answers. And if we give give ourselves time to stop and think and ask ourselves a different question, what would my inner mentor say? My inner critic's going crazy saying this. What's the balancer? We can actually unlimit our potential for laughter, for going further than we thought possible. helping other people on the journey because we're not putting our critic in the way of our future. So how we treat ourselves is so important.
0: It's really interesting you say that because one of our past people on our, on the podcast is a lady called Tiffany. And I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this in terms of sort of future skills. And one of the books that she recommended, which I've actually bought is screw work. Let's play by (laughs) john williams and i haven't started it yet but it's this weekend's with a sickly dog that's this weekend's workbook but in it it is saying to you it's saying fundamentally what makes what brings you joy and if you can do more of that which is exactly what you're saying then your potential is limitless in effect it's not driven by necessarily work or home it's a a combination and I really like that concept when you look at potential, because when you look at it from an HR perspective, it's very much driven by traits, behaviours, attitudes. And what you're saying is that it's in our control mm-hmm. much more than we think it is.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what brings you joy? Beautiful. I talk about we tend to outsource our happiness to others and think other people have control. But if we think about what we actually can control, we can control what's going on inside our heads and our thoughts. and how we think and how we react we are actually in control of but there's a real power to putting space between what someone else has said to you and how you respond to it and I work with my coach on this Sally Ann Airy, who's a wonderful coach and she talks about the power of pause and the fact that if you can just give yourself a beat before you respond to a situation you can actually give yourself a lot more thinking time to respond in a way that you authentically want to rather than going to your inner critic, and just instantly being worried about something. If we are more inner mental, or more about joy, or more about our own happiness, we can have a much different life. And again, nothing else needs to change, except how we think and feel.
0: Do you think that's changed during the last couple of years, with people being more isolated? You know, I've definitely found it as a sort of founder of a business that you know before I would be going out and I would be kind of getting my energy through connection do you think that's had an effect on the way people view themselves both internally but also that kind of limits their potential or career development in effect
1: yes I don't know about you but when I first started at work it was like a for university because you were still learning loads you are being paid and you have this entire social network of really brilliant mates because you were in an office together. And I really feel for people who are just starting out in work without having that experience. Although the introverts in my life are having an absolute bonus time because they're getting the space to think. And you've probably come across Susan Cain's book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking. It's an incredible book. And as a, a learned extrovert myself, I was incredibly introverted as a child. But through work, I've become a extrovert. I can absolutely see how people have thrived by having space and time to themselves. But others have been felt closed down by it. So I think that the hybrid model is going to be played to both people. But it's not black and white. There's all shades of grey. But I think we need to be more cognizant of the different types of ways that we think and we feel and we get our energy. Like yourself, I like to bounce off other people now. And, really, and I'm doing it all day. Through a screen, is hard. Going out and meeting people is lovely, but actually, I'm not sure being back in an office the whole time would work for me anymore because of the level of interruption. I quite like that focused time. So, there's been a lot of disruption, and for a lot of people, it's been really hard feeling so isolated. But actually, there's a lot of people that have gone, This is working for me now. How can we get to the middle ground? How can we make sure that we can all be served by the way we're working?
0: I mean, you've run businesses. And you, you know, you're a non-exec director. So when you're sitting from that sort of 35,000 feet view and you're saying, look, we're looking at succession, we're looking at our highest potential. How do we increase, you know, the, the marginal gains ultimately? What's your advice for people who are listening to this podcast, who may be CEOs, who may be HR leaders that are noodling this topic and, and thinking, well, okay, that's all very well, but what can I do?
1: Yes. I am naturally curious. I ask questions non-stop. I, and sometimes I have to say to people I'm doing this because I'm curious not because I don't believe you or I don't understand what's going on. I, I just want to find out more. Um, and sometimes we have to share what we value for others to understand our behavior. But I know that not everybody works like that and is wired like that and it's, it took me quite a long time to realize that because we don't all see the world through the same eyes. And when I was running my own business one thing that was game changing for me was having the conversation with each person to not outsource their progression to anybody else, to own their own career. We can, as leaders, put in springboards and safety nets for people, but the thing that's going to unlimit their potential is for them to take responsibility of their own career. As a leader, you've probably got 50, 100 2000 people's careers within your remit. Do you not possibly have the headspace to help every single one of them reach their potential without them being on the journey with you? So my my the biggest game changer for me was having that conversation with people saying, This is your career. I'm in charge of my career. You're in charge of your career. Let's actually both grow together. And you could see the light bulbs coming on. It's like, okay, it's not like school anymore. I'm not served something that I have to take in and regurgitate. We need to learn to improvise more as we come through our education. We need to learn to challenge authority more. We need to learn to think actually, what was my perspective and come inside and think about what I think, not just what books are telling me. So there's that whole thing about be the master of your own career. And having that conversation with people, for me, has been game changing, because then it takes a lot of pressure off the leader as well to fix everything. We are not, well, we are fixers. We do quite a lot of that. But ideally, people can help fix their own future.
0: So when was your light bulb moment in your career, in thinking about how you could realise your potential? And you're still realising your potential in everything that you do. But, you know, were there moments that you thought, I'm having real fun here, or I've learned from that experience.
1: Yes. When I took the leap from international role in a London agency to start to work with a Brighton agency and grow that, that for me was an absolute leap because a lot of my friends in London were saying, okay, so you're going to go from this big international role in a London agency where you're leading X, Y, Z, and you're going to go to a small search agency in Brighton and it's going to be based on well-being. Are you mad? And this was 15 years ago, and well-being at the time was a bit of a novelty and a bit of like, are you sure? Whereas, you know, the values of the other businesses have been about high levels of creativity and brilliant execution, which I was going to take with me. But what I could see with working in highly competitive creative agencies was it was fascinating to work with really intelligent, really creative people. It was also hugely competitive, and there was a lot of burnout. And I myself burnt out, and I just thought, this isn't how we should be working one of those rules in your head, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this, it's quite, it's quite limited in itself. But how can I do this differently? So when we started you know, well-being being very much at the core, that changed dramatically because I believe people who are feeling good and taking care of themselves and taking care of each other will be able to do better work. And we took PropellerNet from Brighton to Global, from marketing services to SaaS Energy products, one of the best places to work in the UK for eight years. And I know people feeling well was massively part of it and feeling they were part of the decision-making process. So that was kind of a first realising potential for me that I could take a leap, which was deemed by others to be in the wrong direction. And actually, I was like, no, I'm not listening to that. That's limiting for me. I think this is huge. I think I can make a massive difference here. So let's not outsource my happiness to somebody else saying what I shouldn't, shouldn't do. Let me take the ownership of it. Let me be in charge of my career. And I, I loved every minute of it. It was brilliant. The second thing was when I wrote Super Engaged, I often stood on stages talking about the business, talking about the growth. And nine times out of 10, people would ask me, have you written a book? I want to find out more. And I would always say, I'm, I'm too busy to write a book. Well, I meant more I was too terrified to, try to write a book. But then eventually I thought, okay, I'll write the book, but let's get the story out there. And when it landed, the minute you hit publish, it's quite a moment. You kind of get the shivers down his spine. It's like, oh, are people going to love it or hate it? Am I going to get trolled? And my husband's a great level. He went, you're not famous enough to get trolled. Don't worry about it. But when the feedback came back from Super Engaged, People got in touch and said, Can you come and help us do what you've done? That was the start for my springboard to being a non exec. And I wasn't really aware that that was something I would or could be doing. But I started very gently to work with some other agencies and help them with their culture and their growth. And it was fascinating for me. And again, that kernel of, Oh, I can go and do this. Love Propellant, amazing place. Love London. Love working in, in different agencies in Paris, all over the place. But taking that leap and believing in yourself. Not quite knowing if it's going to work, for me, is fascinating. And I found a quote from David Bowie that kind of sums it up. And I'll just read it out to you. If you feel safe in the area you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel capable of being in. Go a little out of your depth. And when you feel your feet aren't quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. And that, for me, just being just on the edge is really exciting. Not all the time, because you're going to go pop. But just those moments, where it's, ooh, and that's really exciting for me, just when you're on the edge.
0: I love that. I always call it feeling uncomfortably lost. That sort of <laughs> knowing that you can do the job and 30% where you've got that stretch. I love that. I love that quote. Thank you so much. So, Nikki, as we come to the end of our time talking, and we could go on forever, <laughs> But on where you've got a busy life and busy things to do, How can people find you if they're interested in talking to you? How do people connect with you?
1: So I have two books out, one called Super Engage. If you go to superengage.co.uk or there's my most recent book, which came out in November, Better Business on Purpose. So BBOPbook.com. Either one of those, there's subject matter around the book. Or I'm on LinkedIn, Nikki Gattenby. Just Google me and I'm there best places to find me are in those sites or on LinkedIn. And I'm very happy to chat about any of these things, potential being a fascinating area for me.
0: Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always, talking to you. Thank you so much. And I wish you huge success going forward. I can't wait to see the next part of your journey.
1: Thank you, James. We'd love to talk to you. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Potential for What podcast. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to our new episode all the way to the end. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. As always, you can head over to letstalktalent.co.uk forward slash podcasts to check out all the links and resources in the show notes and to sign up to our email list.